0: Hello and welcome back. My name is Dr. Christopher Gennari. This is the Great Big History Podcast. This episode, we do fascism and the 30s. The world ends in the 30s. You have to understand this. It's the death of the traditional order of what was left after the First World War. The world as we understand it after World War II is different than the world that's before. The world ended. There was an apocalypse. Traditional kings and emperors are gone. Republics come along. Empires are broken up. Women who have had a subservient role as long as, in, as agriculture has happened for 10,000 or so years are suddenly going to achieve a form of independence, work, income, even birth control. A mastery over their body they had never had before. Paternalism and patricianism ends. A system where the rich people benefited, benefactored poor people, ends as they get credit. And you get democratic economies... The world ended with the Great Depression. The systems that have been built up since industrialization collapsed. And so it makes sense that we get the rise of extremes. Fascism on the right. Communism on the left. Remember that poem we did The falcon cannot see the falconer. The center does not hold. That's the 30s. So if you have taken this class, you know the world has ended three times. We are in a fourth age. Kind of like Lord of the Rings. The world ended with the Bronze Age collapse in 1000. B.C. Ever, the world that people understood ended with the mass migration of peoples and the destruction of every major civilization on earth around 1000 BC. The world ended again in the 400s with the fall of China, the Han Dynasty, which was a little earlier, the Mauryan Empire, and Rome. The world ended again the world after those periods, in all three places, is vastly different than the world before it. And that's the second half of the 20th century. The world, as they understood it, ended. Now, so fascism. Fascism is conservative. You have to understand this. It is of the right. It is a conservative ideology. It is where... Conservatism goes so far to the right where you can't really go any farther right anymore. At that point, you're bending back around. Because usually these things are presented as a line. There's the left of communism and there's the right of fascism, but it's not. It's like a circle. They come around. So you have to understand, conservatism... Ends with fascism. Fascism is a conservative ideology. So all the people who you run into who are um, conservatives and right-wing and they say the Nazis might, I have to have a gun to protect me from Nazis. Dude, you are the Nazi. The Nazis are conservative. Fascists are conservative. They want to maintain In fact, in many cases, they're reactionary. They want to go back. They think the world has changed too much. So what causes all of this? Well, the death of capitalism in 1929. We do not live in a capitalist society. We do not live in a capitalist world. Capitalism, straight, Laissez-faire capitalism where people will make whatever deals they can and make whatever supply and demand in the invisible hand, they don't exist anywhere on earth outside of the dude in middle school selling a couple of pieces of gum. everywhere else government society laws impose themselves on the economic system and that's because capitalism ended in 1929 take a look at our at our map at our at our graphs you could see take a look where's the great depression and you could see it it's a giant hole It's a giant collapse. Credit imploded. And with it, markets went down. When the markets went down, the banks went down. When the banks went down, the people went down. And when the people go down, countries went down. The United States had 25% unemployment and massive amounts of of underemployment. In Germany, they had it even worse. 40% unemployment, massive hyperinflation. The, the, the Deutsche Mark was worthless. The, do, the, the money was worthless. In 1928, it was 320 marks to a $1. dollar. In 1931, it was, what is it, uh, a trillion to one. That money's not even useful as toilet paper at that point. It was the complete collapse and depression. So how did people respond? How they responded was protectionary. And we saw this in 2009 when you got people, conservatives mostly, who said we have to act, governments have to act like a family. We have to cut our expenses. We have to hold our, uh, cut our budget we have to not spend any money. And that screwed everything up. Britain and France closed off their empires to world trade so that only they would make the money. Then they dumped their manufactured goods on their empire. On Africa, and in India, on in Australia, and New Zealand. They dumped their stuff, causing deflation. Because you couldn't sell it anywhere else. Because when Britain closed off its empire... Everybody else closed off their empires. Wages declined. Unemployment. Factories go down. Because there's nowhere you're making the money. There's not enough market. Because you've closed off yourself to the world. And so you have this complete collapse of the economics. And that's going to give rise to fascism. Fascism starts in the twenties, yes, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And yeah, all right, it kind of takes over in Italy, and Mussolini is kind of doing stuff in Italy, but he didn't even make the trains run on time. He bragged, he lied, faked, news that he made the trains run on time. Even the trains didn't run on time. So, what is fascism? It is conservative and patriarchal. It wants to maintain the order that has existed, and it wants men to be in charge. Women are mothers. That's their role. It's nostalgic for the country in both literal sense, the farming communities, the heartland, the, the, the Midlands, the real Americans who live in real America. Not that industrialized bullshit. That's something else. Those are liberals. They don't have our values. They're foreigners. They're Jews. They're rich. They eat fancy foods like avocado toast. They're not in touch with who real people, the real country are. So it's nostalgic for the idea of the country, both literally and figuratively. It's anti-democratic. Why? Because people suck. People are weak, they're lazy, they're purposeless. They can't make a decision. They can't decide. People suck. So it's anti-democratic. Why would we give you losers a bunch of uh, ability to choose? We'll tell you what you need to know. Thank you very much. It's anti-communist. Why? Because communism is the liberal overthrow of the proper order. The proper order is I was in charge. Businesses were in charge. The emperor was in charge. And here come the communists saying everybody's equal. Everything's going to change. Everybody owns everything like some giant hippie commune. Well, Americans didn't accept it in the late 60s. And Germans weren't going to accept it in the 30s. And it was anti-communist. The thing about fascism is it hates communism. it's racist and it's nationalists other people suck people in our own country who aren't like me suck and people who are in other countries definitely suck because they're not like me they don't speak my language they don't live in my country they don't share my values they suck it's imperialist well if other people suck why should they have stuff why should they have stuff They suck. I, I, me, could make much better use out of it if I had their stuff. All they're doing is hoarding it. All they're doing is using it for their selfish, decadent purposes. They're not helping the country. What are all those Wall Street bros doing with their Bitcoins, buying Lamborghinis? How is that helping America? How does that help a farmer in Kansas with his $15 avocado toast and his CrossFit with his Bluetooth headset on? Please. So why should he have stuff? We should take that stuff and because we, we, me and you, we're awesome. So we know how to use that stuff better. And how are we going to take that stuff? Through the most awesome thing ever invented, where real men go, where real Americans go, where real Germans go, the army, the military. And what if you can't get in the army? Proper. There are other organizations, paramilitary organizations, where we teach you how to be like in the army. Boy Scouts is a good one in America. So you say, oh, what about the reserves? The reserves are actually the reserves for the Army. So they're the state militia, but they're actually a military. They're not paramilitary. They're actually linked to the military. Cops are another paramilitary organization. NRA training groups. Clubs, NRA shooting clubs, are paramilitary? The point is that what fascism likes is conservative violence to maintain the present order, or better yet, to return to an idealized past. And the overwhelming philosophy of fascism is not all men are created equal. You suck, and I am awesome. Not all men are created equal. In class, we will do a song from Cabaret called Tomorrow Belongs to Me. I highly recommend going on YouTube and watching it. I can't play it here for copyright issues, um, but we will do watch this in class. Tomorrow Belongs to Me. And notice who sings it or who starts to sing it. And notice Tomorrow Belongs to Me. It's a song for the youth, for the German. It's positive, it looks forward to the next day. And it's very environmental if you listen to the lyrics. It talks about the beauty that is Germany, the German countryside. But then see where it goes. See where it ends. So we'll talk about this in class. Fascism is obsessed with morality. Anti-degeneracy. It is anti-degenerates. And degenerates are everywhere. Why? Because they want to pollute. I am pure. But they, they want me to buy their shit. They want me to believe their terrible ideas. They want me to think new ideas are good and that old ideas suck. And you go, well, what's so bad about that? Well, hey, when I was growing up, Boys went in the boys' bathroom, girls went in the girls' bathroom, and that was it. And that's where you went. And now I'm supposed to believe that boys can go in the girls' bathroom, and girls can go in the boys' bathroom? And more than that, there's unisex bathrooms where everyone goes together. What is that? Who invented that? Who said, oh, we should do that? That's new and nah. Girls in university? Girls were sitting in my class with you boys, s- taking the same information as you guys. Why? 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 What could possibly be the purpose? All I know is that they're not being moms. So what are they going to do with all that knowledge? What are they possibly going to use it for? we got ideas of miscegenation. We've got gay marriage. We've got drug use. Uh, marijuana was bad when I was growing up. Now, it will cure all my ills. I'm, 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 it will make me feel less anxiety. When I was growing up, you didn't have anxiety. You got nuked by the Russians. That was your anxiety, and everyone lived with it. And you said, shut up. I've got Bruce Springsteen on the radio. I've got Reagan in the White House. And if we get nuked, so be it. We'll win. Give me a break. Anxiety. Anxiety is rich people talk for having too many options. And fascism is obsessed with all of these ideas. All of these new notions, all of these liberal critiques of saying, you should think this way, and immigrants are perfectly fine, and rapists are okay, and 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 foreigners are good, and gay people are fine, and Jews aren't terrible people, and all of these things. Trying to ruin the way we used to be, ruin the way we are, and so morality and behavior is how you police this. Fascism is obsessed with how you outwardly behave, because if you outwardly behave, you are ruining. You are are the acid on the culture, ruining it from the inside. Private deviance, homosexuality, foreigners, religions, all of these new things. These liberals talk about freedom, but what they're really doing is pollution. They're changing who we were. And so our art is going to focus on the traditional and the folk and the people. We're going to celebrate the people. Fascism celebrates the people versus this abstract, modern, overly sexual stuff which celebrates the new, the innovative, the individual that throws out what used to be, that casts dispersions on it. The suburbs are a pretty great place to live. And yet every time I look at a movie about living in the suburbs, it's about how crappy the suburbs are. Yet everybody wants to live in the suburbs, and yet when you watch a movie, it's about how awful it was and how there's no culture there and how, oh, if only I lived in the city, it would be so much better and how, 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 how little crime there was so it was nothing interesting. If only I could have gotten into a gang fight. Stop. The art is about traditions, about the family, about the people in general, the groups, about things we did. Thanksgiving dinners, Norman Rockwell. Not Cubist Picasso, not Henry Miller's Tropic of Cancer. This obsession with new, of sex, of individual desire. Art celebrated The way we were. And the way we should be. So we got Wagner in Germany. The heroic traditions of action. We were heroes in our stories. Not these girly men who were unemployed in the 30s. There was a ring to be won and we won it. Valkyries riding into battle. We had masculinity and we're going to show that masculinity in our art. The proper roles of fathers, of men. We're going to look good as an obsession on the body. Our bodies are going to be outwardly what we are inwardly. We're going to be rock hard, ripped abs, big bulging biceps, good teeth, great hair. We are going to exemplify the awesomeness that is us. And these and us, us men, are going to find that we're not weak. We're not feminized by our new, mas- by our new modern roles. No, we're going to recreate that proper role of fathers. My grandfather fought in two different wars. What have I done? What have you done? You Snapchat, please. It's also anti-intellectual because intellectualism is liberal. It's feminism. It's feminizing. It brings in all those different ideas that corrupts, that pollute. Men are of action. They don't sit and they don't discuss and debate and deliberate. They act. Real men act. And that gets us to Nietzsche, German philosopher around 1900, who emphasizes action, that the world is divided between those who act and those who don't, and we're going to be the ones who do. Right? We have a saying in America that is, explains our capitalism. It explains me. Professor Gennari explains to me, those who can do and those who can't teach. That's Nietzsche. That's fascist. Because why? The teaching is the intellectual, but you can't really do it because if you could do it, you would do it. You would act. You wouldn't be some dude standing up in front of of a class of, of 18 year olds rolling up your long sleeves of your of your of your Oxford shirt with your Oxford uh, knotted tie no you'd be doing the hard labor work of action those who can do those who can't teach That's the anti-intellectualism of fascism. And Nietzsche. And ultimately, in fascism, government will direct the art through money, not ownership. And this is very important. Fascism doesn't own the art the way it will in communism, but it will give so much money to people who do art, culture in the way it supports That if you're an artist, and you're sitting there, and you're like, well, I need to get paid. Well, let me draw this blonde. Let me draw a university student. I'll make him six feet two, blonde, blue-eyed, stunningly handsome, and extremely muscular. And he'll smile. And then you go to the government and you say, "I want to emphasize. I want to sell this to you as an image of university students in Germany." And they look at it and go, "That's right." Here's money, and some guy else says, "I want to show uh, a, a a dude who who's sitting behind a computer and uh, he's typing a lot and he's got a giant diet coke and um he's got really thick glasses and um." Um it's nighttime and it's the glow from the monitor. And I want to say the German student. Are you going to get support for that? No. No. And so then you go home and go, well, but but the All right. I'll make the I'll make art the way they want me to make art. They didn't tell you to do it. They didn't say you do this or you die. They just said We have a whole lot of money for a certain kind of art. An artist said, give me, give me, give me, give me, please. I need money. So I'll do the art you want. There is an obsession with race, Jews, the mentally ill, gypsies, blacks. Now notice it's race, but it's not necessarily color. Because race, in terms of color, is an American invention. Race on the European scale meant culture. The Germans are a different race. The French are a race. The English are a race. The Scottish are a race. In America, we took all those people, we smushed them together, and we made them white and we made them black. And so... So the race, the obsession with race is not... Just color of one's skin. It's language. It's culture. It's ancestry. So they're obsessed with Jews, as you well know, the mentally ill, who are going to pollute our culture by um, reproducing. Gypsies, who are some other weird culture left behind by history, who aren't. They're not Germans, and they kind of wander around, and they're kind of useless. Now... Gypsies, of course, are not a very proud culture that goes back, what, 1,000 years, 1,500 years, 2,000 years, um, back to the Romans. But that's not how the fascists are going to look at them. They're going to look at them as, as rootless foreigners who happen to be in our country. Blacks from the African colonies or French ones who are in the Roar Valley, who are occupying part of Germany which is even more insulting. So not only are they bringing French culture, they're bringing African culture, too. Oh! And this was anti weimar culture, anti-German culture, and anti... Now, they are going to be anti weimar Weimar culture, because Weimar Republic was liberal, was open... It liked jazz. It's the world of cabaret. It's the world before the Nazis. It's what the Nazis are rejecting. It's the jazz age in Germany. And so they're also rejecting American culture because they're looking at the jazz age that we already discussed and going, Whoa! That's way too effing new. And way too, it's not pure of race. It mixes everything together. There's also the emphasis on the body, on physical activity, of going off into the woods, of having a hard body, of being physically fit. For Germans, because they looked at other peoples and said, they're fat, they're weak, they're lazy, they're selfish. The Jabba the Hut types. But Germans, Germans are awesome. Germans rock and roll. Except we don't rock and roll because we listen to traditional German folk music and the occasional opera. Rock and roll is a weird American black thing. We don't like it. And there's the emphasis, as we've discussed, on the will triumph of the will is a celebration of Hitler and the fascists of taking over of remaking Germany Hitler's book Mein Kampf my struggle that I will overcome this was my struggle and now I've overcome it and I've become chancellor of Germany I am the leader of the Germans and I will remake this country whether it wants to be remade or not and in the middle of the depression it wanted to be remade so there's an emphasis on action, on the will of doing what others cannot. If you ever watched The Usual Suspects, there's a scene where, where Kevin Spacey gives a speech. And he says, and this man of will show these other men of will what a real man of will is willing to do. Something along those lines. It might be action and then will, but it's a man of will will be... Doing And then what does he do? He murders the men who have... He murders his wife and children who have been held hostage. He then murders the men who took the hostages. And then he burns down all of essentially Constantinople to make himself this master gangster. He does what other people will not do. He goes further than others. And that's the idea of the will. You don't talk... You don't sit, you don't be like the fascists in the 20s in your beer hole going, oh, it was so much better during the war, and oh, if only we weren't betrayed by the Jews, and oh, you don't just complain, you weaklings. You act, you do, you overthrow the government, you mobilize in the streets, you beat up the communists, you make your deals, you triumph. So how does the economics work in fascism? You have private ownership of business. Remember, it's conservative. You have private ownership of business. But you're going to have massive, and I mean massive, spending by government. So much spending by government that businesses will make the stuff the government wants. That the massive spending by government crowds out the the private ownership decisions. So that's the idea, that this, you have massive government spending, just like with the art. And it's so much that you just can't not change your business. So government directs the economy through its purchasing power. And we see this in America today. Medicare does this. McDonald's with chickens does this. Disney with animation used to do it. So how, what do I mean? Medicare says we have 100 million people we cover. We are going to pay $10 for an x-ray. Take it or leave it. And people say, well, I have, if I'm going to have so many clients that are on Medicare, I, I'll take it. I take it. Fine. I take it. $10. That's fine. McDonald's and chickens work the same way. McDonald's is the largest buyer of chicken meat in the country. So when McDonald's turned around and said, we don't want any, we will not buy. We will not buy any chickens with hormones in it, or we will only buy cage-free eggs. What was the effect? The effect was not that they owned any of the farms, not that they forced anyone to do anything. But if you wanted to sell to McDonald's and you had a bunch of eggs, you suddenly, and you had chickens. You suddenly went, oh, all right, I'm going to not have more any more hormones and no more cages for the birds. Let them free. Because McDonald's bought so much that the idea was to sell your goods to the biggest buyer, you had to change. Disney with animation, up until well into the 80s. There was only one company Making animated movies. If you wanted to make an animated movie, you had to work for Disney. And if you worked for Disney, you had to do it the Disney way. They gave you a handbook and said, This is how we draw stuff. And if you're, but what if you wanted to do Picasso Cubism? No. And you couldn't go anywhere else. This is why the animation of the movies looks the same. So, this was the idea. And what do fascists like to spend money on? War. Weapons. Weapons and war. They love weapons. They love war. Because they get the win at both. And so war industries, boom. If you sell a big gun, there is a government official who is going to give you money in fascism. And it works. Workers get work. The people get paid. Soldiers fight and win because they have better weapons. Everybody's happy. It shows fascism works. It shows fascism is better than, than decadent democracy or, or liberal, weak, uh, imploding communism. And yet, because there's private ownership there is a surprising amount of consumer production. You don't have to take the government's money. You can turn around and go, well, I'll I'll find somebody who wants what I'm making. The government doesn't want soft toilet paper. Maybe somebody else does. And so I'll make soft toilet paper. And all right, I won't make the most money I can make by selling it to the government but I can make uh, something that's sold locally that elites will want something like that. And so you get a surprising amount of consumer production because of that private ownership. Where are in, in communism, you get none. There is no consumer production. There's almost none because the government dictates everything. All right. So we're going to talk about what happens. Well, we'll talk about, we'll talk about it now. Um, What happens in the 30s in Germany? You get poverty, economic unease, and a dislike of communism. You add those together, and you get 1932, Hitler becomes chancellor. In 1933, there's a terrorism attack, and that's the Reichstag fire. That allows the Nazis to push emergency powers to get the conservatives, not just the Nazis— but the conservatives be like, dude, Hitler, you need more power. You need to protect us. You need to do stuff against these terrorists who are out there to get us. And so he's now a dictator. And once he has dictatorial powers, he attacks the press, the liberal media, the liberal press, the communist press. He attacks communists. He attacks Jews who are communists. Is the th- You link the two together in Germany. He's going to bribe the army. The one group who could have blown up all of Hitler's plans, he goes to the army and says, what do you want? And they say, you got to get rid of your personal paramilitary army, the SA. And he says, no problem, and liquidates them. In basically one night, he kills all of them. And in doing so, a lot of the heads of the SA, surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, because they were all military men, they were all men from the First World War, homosexuals men who are perfectly enjoying a vaguely out homosexual lifestyle of 1920s Weimar Germany. He whacks them. They're dead. Eliminates them all. He obliterates the SA in like a night, the night of the long knives. And then bribes the army with rearmament. He says, how about I give you a lot of tanks? And they're like, all right, we could use a 1,000 tanks. He's like, how about I give you 5,000 tanks? And like, ooh, I like that. No, 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 no. No, you would like 10,000 tanks even more. And they're like, yeah, I'd like 10,000 tanks even more. All right, you're going to keep me in charge because you know what? If you let the liberals take over, if you let the social democrats take over, if you let the center-left take over, the only people who you'd want to give the government to who aren't me, they're going to cut your budget, and I'm going to give you everything. And so the Army says, "All right," and they made their deal. So rearmament plus militarism equals jobs for people. By nineteen thirty six unemployment went from forty five percent of of people in Germany to zero because either you were working for an, you were working to make guns or you were in the army training to use those guns. But where does this money come from? So you have industry and you have jobs and the entire country is on the move when everybody else sucks. Britain and France and the United States are collapsing in upon themselves. They've, they're, they're isolationists. They're closing themselves off to the world. And here's Germany striding like a Hollywood hunk on the beach during sunset with background music. And it makes sense. There's a Nazi, Nazi party meeting, 20,000 people in Madison Square Garden in New York. There are communists in America, yeah, but they never get anywhere. But fascists, man, America is never going to go. We are too obsessed with private ownership and "quote unquote" freedom to ever go communist. Look at look at Bernie, right? He says let's have universal health care, and be like, oh, you're a freaking socialist, you're communist, you want to destroy America, but throw out Mexicans, arrest immigrants. Get rid of transgendered people in the military. You know, ID, fascist stuff. Americans love it. We voted for it. 60 million Americans did. Now give us more. And you may go, wait a minute. More people voted for the center left Hillary than voted for the right wing uh, conservative parties. And I say, well, Hitler didn't win his elections either. He still ended up in charge. So you have jobs, and you have industry, loving this. Germany's got its groove back, but where is this money coming from? Where is the money? That's, where is it coming from? It's coming from looting, flat-out stealing, looting from other groups. First, the Jews within their own country, Jews, homosexuals, uh, um, the mentally ill, but they don't have much money. Gypsies, again, not much money. The Jews have some money, because you can suck up, you can make it illegal to be Jewish, arrest them, throw them in a concentration camp. But their business, their bank, still exists. And then you could put it on eBay. You could put it on Fascist eBay and say, "How much are you going to give me for this Jewish bank?" And another bank's going to say, uh, 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 I'll, "I'll give you ten million dollars." Now maybe there's a hundred million dollars in the bank. But the government got it for zero. And so, whoop, I'll take $10 million from you. Thank you. I made a $10 million profit. The guy who just bought the bank made a $90 million profit. Everybody's happy. Well, except if you just got looted. And here's the problem. You run out of people to loot in your own country because you can't loot Germans. Can't loot. I shouldn't say that. You can't loot Aryan Germans. You can't loot blonde people. The moment you start looting blonde Germans, you get in trouble. So you, you make Jews the bad guy, and you arrest them. You throw them in concentration camps. You make them work because you, you say, oh, they, they made all their money by exploiting the German workers. So now they're going to labor for us. What's better than that? Oh, well, we'll get there. But we're going to run out of that money. And so we've stolen that money. We've spent that money. We need more money. So we're going to absorb Austria. Because they're German. They want to be part of us. Suck them in. Suck up their money. Get more guns. Get more people in the military. Spend more money. All right, when we run out of that, how about Czechoslovakia? Well, they have some Germans. They want to be part of us, so we'll suck them back in. But there's the Czech part and the Slovak part, which has all the money, but they're not Germans. Who cares? Suck them up. And at this point, if you're Britain and France, you're looking at this going, oh, jeez. This is bad, and then Poland, and then 1940, France, and then finally the big kazoo, giant, largest country in Europe, the Soviet Union. We're going to absorb that too. So what we get is endless war to feed the war machine. New war has to pay. We have to have a new war to pay for the old war. So the fascist Germans couldn't stop fighting. There was no chance at peace because they couldn't pay for peace. Peace was too expensive. It's Napoleon was the same way. Napoleon had to keep on fighting to keep his army in the field. It's too expensive. You had to pay for the last war with the next war. And so this is an empire of violence. Because it's going to loot people within its own system. It's going to loot foreigners. It's going to conquer people and then loot them again. It is an empire of violence. Where violence. Now what the fascists will say is the will. But it's violence. Is going to be the mainstay. The answer to all questions. Should we talk or attack? Always attack. Should we debate or fight? Always fight. We act. And we act violently. And that's going to lead us into the Second World War. Well, what about the Western democracies? And this will be our next episode. What about the Western democracies? The mainstay, the leaders of the world, the United States, Britain, and France. Why are they so weak what are they doing? How are they responding in this, in this, um, in the face of the absolute carnage, but industrialization, the remaking of an entire society that is Stalinist Russia, that is Stalinist Soviet Union. I mean, you have to be impressed. Now, they people didn't know that 20 million people were going to be murdered or were in the process of being murdered. But they knew that the Soviet Union went from being absolutely devastatingly poor and backward to suddenly being a force to be reckoned with. And you had to be impressed by that. And meanwhile, you knew what was going on in Germany. And it's impressive. It shook off the depression. It's not depressed anymore. It just shook it off. With a, with a group of militarism. And until they start absorbing, especially Czechoslovakia, but until they start absorbing other people, wow, they had the will to do what we didn't do. That's impressive. So there's admirers of the fascist system in all in our Western democracy, in the U.S., in Britain, and France. And they look at it more as a model. Now, especially in France, there will be more communists, who will say, well, maybe go communist, but Britain and the United States are far more conservative. the Anglo American world is just far more conservative that you know and and America's way too racist to, to believe in the all men are created equal of communism, and so um, they're gonna go fascist. I mean. The almost king of England, or or only for a little while king of England, Edward, who abdicates, liked fascism. He hung out with Hitler. I mean, they used him for a photo op. But could you imagine if he was king? And he's like, hey, England's not going to fight you, Hitler. We're friends. We think you're awesome because you're doing cool things. Oh, all right, all right. Uh, don't murder people. That's a little too far. But... Ah well, I like how you got your industry going and your military going, and you got the big guns. So, how did the Western democracies react in the face of what is undoubtedly, if scary, success? And that's what we'll talk about next. Thank you.